Gabe Miller here, and I want to personally thank you for checking out our podcast. And I also want to encourage you to click the subscribe button so that each week's message will automatically show up in your feed. Another great way to stay connected with this is on our website at yourimpactchurch.com and on all of our social media outlets at Your Impact Church. I hope this message today encourages you, inspires you, and challenges you. Let's jump into the message. All right. Good morning, Impact. Guys look good this morning. Hey, we've got a uh, we've got a special treat for you this morning. We've got somebody that's very near and dear to a lot of us here at Impact. So would you help me welcome Jordan Cunningham? Thank you, brother. Oh, come on, give it up for Jesus Christ, would you? Would you make some noise for him? Um, how you feeling this morning? Everybody good? Got a little sleep in, so now you're at church, and here we go. Hope the preacher's okay anyway, huh? Decent. I'm not looking for a good preacher, just a decent preacher, right? Just somebody I can stay awake through. Hey, uh, love, uh, here's one thing I want to say is that uh, most of my family goes to this church, but and, and my family can get behind my bad preaching because it's my family, you know. But they were all at the first service, so I'm kind of counting on you guys to pick up the slack on on that and just act like family, would you? Um, hey, I love, uh, love Pastor Gabe and Amanda. Love them so much. Really wish they were here getting behind me sitting on this front row. And so, um, man, I love being at Impact. Love what you guys are up to. I think it's just such a cool name, Impact Church. And uh, my dad was telling me that just last week you guys were doing Serve Day and out serving the community. And I just think it's so needed and so um, so real at this time and the, the, the day and age we're living in right now. It's just needed to serve others and make an impact on our community. Amen. And so I um, want to uh, talk to you guys this morning um, about worry. Talk about worry. Um, Philippians chapter 4 is where we're going to end up at in just a few moments. So if you have your Bible, you can flip there. If you have your Bible app, uh, you can also flip there. Or if you have neither one or don't want to do either one, the scripture will be on the screen behind me. So you would literally have to close your eyes to not see the scripture this morning. It's going to be in multiple locations. So, um, but I want to pray and then we'll jump right into the word. Lord, thank you so much for the singers. Really, thanks for uh, the way that they exude worship with their voices. Um, God, I'm just thankful for um, for them and for just us being in your presence this morning and the way that they usher us in. And so, Lord, I pray for every heart in this room. I pray for every person that made it to church this morning um, that you would speak a word into our hearts and that you would use um, this week preacher and just allow your word to pierce each one of our hearts. And so we love you. And it's in Jesus name we pray. Amen. Amen. Um, so I want to just talk about worry. Worry, I think, is something that we are all prone to, at least in some form or fashion, somewhere or the other, some level, we're all prone to some form of worry. And the thing about worry is it's crippling uh, to our walk with the Lord. It can blind us and take away our strength 
uh, in our pursuit to follow Jesus because worry just just buckles us. It just takes away the things and it puts these blinders on that we have a hard time moving forward. And the irony of worry is that it takes something that is outside of our control and allows it to control us. So something that we don't have control over, now in turn, it's it's controlling us. And so one contributing factor to this is that we as humans, we like answers. Amen? We like answers. We like to know the time that we're supposed to be there. We like to know the date. We like to know the reasons behind things. We like to know why. Why is this the way it is? We want to know the answer. I mean, I have a, I have a six-year-old that he knows no other word but why. And he wants to know why everything. I'm like, bro, I'm only 32. Like, I don't know that much. I don't know what you're thinking, but you're asking the wrong dude. I'm trying to do the best I can, but I don't know. And it's just we like to know answers. We just enjoy it. And even as adults, we really enjoy knowing the answers. And the Bible says that God's ways are higher than our ways, and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. So we're in this dilemma and this mystery of following Christ that sometimes frustrates us because we as humans want to know answers and his ways are higher than our ways, so he doesn't always give us the answers. Most of the time he doesn't give us the answers. So we're walking this thing out in this mystery of not knowing what's actually going to happen and what's going on, and that's frustrating, and it causes this tension because we don't know what God's up to. We just don't know what he's doing. And when we don't know that, we, we get this tension. And I think this tension is compounded and magnified because of the information age that we live in, right? Because, um, you know, I don't know about you, but 100% of my conversations end up at in some point saying the words, well, just Google it. Or let's just ask Siri. Because... The truth is, if you don't know something, you can just pull out your smart device and you can pretty much find out anything you want to right here on your phone, which is very dangerous because now we've trained ourselves to this ability to find out all the things we want to know, except for the things that we need to know, which is this thing between God and I, and he's not willing to divulge much on what's going on. And so there's a tension that's being had. And 10 years ago, we didn't deal with this information overload like we've got right now. 10 years ago, you would actually end a conversation in mystery. Can you believe that? You would actually end a conversation without knowing the answer because you didn't have that luxury of getting to it so quickly. And so things have kind of changed. And, I, the, you know, I, I recently read it somewhere that we walk by faith and not by Siri. Or it's something like that. I don't know. It's something to do with that. And I don't know how it goes. But, but today I want to talk about how to go to war against worry. Because it is a war. There's a war waging. And, and, and it's worry that's really taking hold. And so I, I look around at a lot of my Christian friends and a lot of Christian family members and people that I know. And I see that they are walking around as these weighed down worriers. They're just overloaded with worry. But I believe that God's called us to be victorious warriors. Amen? We, we need to be these victorious warriors. And so all of us, at least on, on some level, we want and we're pursuing peace. 
because we want peace. Like, it's like, I don't, I'm tired of all the struggles. I'm tired of all this tension. I'm tired of all this stuff. I just need peace in my life. I just need peace. And the world's saying, hey, if you buy this, if you get that, if you do this, if you do that, then, then peace and happiness will come. But I'm here to tell you today that peace comes from God. It's the peace of God. The Bible says that Jesus is the prince of peace. So peace comes from God. And so we're going to read in Philippians, Philippians chapter 4. Now, I love this letter, and recently I have been consumed with this little letter um, that Paul wrote to the church of Philippi. And I, for some reason or another, three weeks ago, a month ago, the Lord just put it on my heart to read it. And so I started reading it every day. And it's, only, it's really short. It's only four chapters. It's like 100 verses. So it's, I mean, shorter than one of books of Psalms. I mean, it's not that much. But it's incredibly powerful. And this, this little letter that he wrote, the interesting thing about worry and how it's, how it's intertwined in this is that Paul wrote this little letter. And if anybody, if we, if we would give anybody a pass to the worry rule, of where you shouldn't worry, I, I think Paul would be the guy we'd give the pass to because Paul went through it. I mean, this guy was shipwrecked. He was beaten. He was, he was, all this stuff had gone wrong in his life in prison, all this stuff. And, I mean, there were, there were soldiers that vowed not to sleep or eat until this guy was dead. And, and one time he preached in, in a city, and evidently they didn't like his sermon because they, they beat him kicked him out, stoned him, threw him in outside the city, left him for dead. And then after they left, he woke up, came to, dusted himself off, and went right back in the same city. So you want to talk about worry. This guy had reasons to worry. But he pins this letter to this church. And, and let me let you know that this is not a letter from the comfort of his own home. He's, he's chained to a Roman prison guard in a Roman prison cell while he's writing about worry. So this guy has got the reasons to worry. And so I, I think it's important that we pay attention to, to some of the things that he had to say. And so let's read Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 8. It says this, do not be anxious about anything. So how many things can we be anxious about? None of them. No, Nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Verse 8, finally, brothers. I, I love that, and I, I said this in the first service. I just think it's so funny. He says finally, but in chapter 3, he starts with finally. So this guy has a hard time closing things down. Like he's he been trying to wrap this thing up for a while now. But he says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's anything excellent, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Think about these things. And so I want to talk to you about this, this worry thing. And so point number one is the standard. And we're going to kind of work backwards. We're going to go from verse 8 to verse 7 to verse 6 and kind of work up. And so hopefully it will all make sense uh, in the end. But 
But the first thing is the standard, and we have to establish the standard. Okay, there's got to be a bullseye. There's got to be a mark with every uh, sports team, with every business. You got a mark that you're aiming for, and God has established a bullseye for us in verse eight. And so, here's the standard. Here's the bullseye. Verse eight. We find it for our hearts and minds. It's this. It's true. It's honorable. It's just. It's pure. It's lovely. It's commendable. It's excellence, and it's anything worthy of praise. Those eight characteristics that happen right there in that verse, those are the things we are commanded to meditate on. And now meditation is not like mindless yoga. It's like a thing that we are to be mindfully engaged on, like these eight things that we should be thinking on. And so uh, point number one along with the standard is this. Make sure your mind is open by invitation only. If you want to, you can write that down. But but make sure your mind is open by invitation only. You can't just let anybody and anything in your mind. It's got to be the things you welcome into your mind. And so, so there are a few things that you should be focused on. But there are a lot of things that you should not be focused on. And I think we end up, we tend to get focused on a lot of things and we don't focus on, you know, we get it messed up. We, we just get, we get it messed up. And so we want to make sure our mind is open by invitation only. And so um, let's, let's look at it like this. Like, let's pretend that we're having a party, okay? We got a party going on, and I've decided that uh, DJ Denim is, is our, is our, he's the sound guy back there, and he's the DJ to this party that we got going on, so, um, side note, he's actually a DJ, so any of your DJ needs, slight plug from a man back there, he's got the equipment, so it's not just a nickname, it's a real deal, like, business cards and all, the dude's a DJ, all right, so he's DJing this party that we've got going on, now here's the thing about the party, the venue that we're having this party is our heart's this is not your heart, but hearts and your minds, okay? Minds and hearts. That's where this party is happening. Now, the guest list for this party that we're having is really short. It's only eight people that are welcome at this party. Those eight people are found in verse 8. And it's true. It's honorable. It's just. It's pure. It's lovely. It's commendable. It's excellence and anything worthy of praise. Praiseworthy. There's eight things, eight characteristics that you welcome to the party that's happening in your mind and in your heart. If it doesn't match that, it's not welcome in your party. It's not, it's not welcome in your heart and in your mind. And here's the reason, because God has your best in mind, so he wants your mind at its best. He wants you to be operating with these eight characteristics. And so number one is the standard, the bullseye, the eight characteristics we've got we got to have those first. Number two is the scene. There's a place where this, this battle, this war against worry, where this is happening. And so where, where is the war and the battle happening? There's a scene here, and the scene is our hearts and our minds. Okay? Our hearts and our minds is where the battle is waging and taking place. Proverbs 4 says this, Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. That's powerful. Guard your heart above all else because it is what deter 
determines the course of your life. You got you got to guard that above all else. And so, also, I don't know if you typically do this, but sometimes I jump on the Bible app and look at the verse of the day. The verse of the day happens to be the next verse that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read to you. So if you just jump on your Bible app, you can see it. Romans 8, 6 says this, Letting sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. you gotta, you got to know what's controlling your mind. And, and our sinful nature is, the Bible says we were born in sin, shaped in iniquity. So we were born in this sin, and we got to retrain through Jesus Christ the way we the way we do this. And so, so the deal is, I want you to write this down too, if you will. An unguarded heart is a ticking time bomb. We got to have our hearts guarded above all else. Guard your heart, and if you don't, it's a ticking time bomb. And the question is not will it explode, right? It's it's not will. It's when. Will it explode? And who will be affected by it? Because those closest to you and people around you, when your heart blows up, your mind blows up, people are going to be affected by that directly. So you've got to guard it. You've got to protect it. The challenge with this scene, though, and this this whole situation is that, you know, with the scene being in our hearts and our minds, we can't see those things. We can't see our hearts and we can't see our minds. And the scripture says that man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. And so we, having our eyes on all the outside stuff, as humans, we naturally gravitate to what we can see. The things that we are aware of and the things that are on the outside. But when we look at those things and try to fix all the things on the outside, it's like dealing with the symptoms and not the true issue. Because we're trying to line everything up on our outside and make everything in order and make everything appear like it looks okay. But deep down inside, the war is waging in our hearts and our minds. And we're just allowing worry to take over. And so, I even think this is slightly controversial. Um, and, and if there's issues with this, you guys can just email me at gabemiller at impactchurch.com. And so, I'll, I gladly answer any of your questions, so it's it's fine. Um, but but I'm watching a lot of my Christian friends be affected by this coronavirus, and, and what I mean by that is I think we're all affected, but but they are allowing themselves to worry to the point where that they think God is worried about this thing, and the truth is God's not worried about the coronavirus. I don't know if you know this, but God is not looking down and saying, the, the governor of Texas said, what? Wow, that, that threw me for a loop. I had no idea. The, the, the Supreme Court of the United States did what? He, he's not concerned by those things. He's not worried about those things. And I think we all, and, and I'm not saying we're not aware of what's happening and we, we pretend like everything is, is you know, Peter Pan, happy-go-lucky. I'm not saying that. We've got to be aware of what's going on around us and we got to know what's happening. But we don't have to worry. And we certainly don't have to believe that God is worried about these things. He's not worried. He's concerned about you because he loves you. But he's not worried because he knows the plan that he has for you. And so when we focus on the external, 
we miss the battle on the internal. Amen? When we focus on this all around us, we miss what's going on inside of us. And so, number two, the scene. An unguarded heart is a ticking time bomb. Number three, when you've got a battle going on, you've got to have a soldier. And, and God, in verse 7, only deploys one soldier for this whole entire battle that's going on. And that, that one soldier is the peace of God. And the peace of God, in, in our earlier illustration with the, with the party that you got going on with DJ Denim, that party, you got to have a bouncer. And the bouncer is the peace of God. So when something is there that doesn't belong in your heart and in your mind at the party that you, ex you were very exclusive about who you invited to the party, when somebody shows up that's not welcome, you get the peace of God to bounce them out of there. Like, they're, you're not welcome in my heart and in my mind. You got to go. Like, you're, you're not welcome here anymore. So it's time for you to leave. And, and here's the thing. Here's the, here's the statement is that God's peace defeats what we could not defeat in a lifetime. You've been trying so hard to get rid of all this stuff in your life so much that you can have peace. What's it going to take? What do I have to do? What things do I have to accomplish where I can have peace in my life? The truth is you'll never have peace until you allow God in your situations. Amen? Because God's peace defeats what we could not defeat in a lifetime. And here's the deal. Life's exhausting, right? And it's exhausting and it's void of peace until you let God in. You've got to let him in. And peace comes from God. He is the only person and place that you can get peace from God. Peace of God. Like it's it's all him. He's the sole manufacturer, provider, distributor of all true peace. It comes from God and it passes all understanding. So that's why you can't fit it in your brain and understand it because Paul said it's the peace of God that passes all understanding. And so so the question is, how can I have peace? How can I get peace? I need peace. I want peace. I want it in my life. And so I want to, I want to find the rest of my notes first. <laughs> then, I'll, then I'll finish this thing. Here they are. They got buried under the stuff in the first service. So let me get, uh, let me get, get you to them real quick. But um, I, I find my friends and people and, and I see people that just don't know God and don't, they don't follow Jesus Christ. And I wonder, like, how do you make it through life without the peace of God? How do you make it through a divorce without the peace of God? How do you make it through a pandemic, am I right, without the peace of God? Because you could let this stuff consume you. You could let this get the best of you if you let. But, but if you allow the peace of God, then it can control all these things. And so... I wonder to my friends that don't know Jesus, how do you receive a bad report from the doctor without the peace of God? And, and truly, it's no wonder that our culture turns to sex and drugs because they don't have the peace of God. And the peace of God it is what we all need because God's peace will defeat what we couldn't defeat in a lifetime. And so number one is we've got the standard. We've got these eight characteristics, the bullseye, the aim, the mark, where we're headed, 
what we need to have and the only things we need in our heart and our mind. And then we've got the scene. We've got the battleground, the place that it's happening, which is which is our hearts and our minds. And it's not external. It's an internal thing that's happening here. And then we know that we've got a soldier. And that soldier is the peace of God. And he's waging war. And and he can defeat what we could not defeat in a lifetime. So, so how do we get this soldier into our lives? How do we get what we need in, into our lives? Because I need peace. Amen? Right? Look at your neighbor and say, I need peace. Okay? Like, I need peace. And I, I heard some parents saying, I need peace and quiet. That's not the same thing, y'all. That's not, that's not what y'all, y'all, I know what you're doing there. But listen, number four is this. We got to have a strategy. Okay? We got to have a strategy. And you can't have all these things without some form of a strategy. And if God's peace is the soldier, then verse 6, we can look at verse 6 and see right here that this is the way, the call to deploy the soldier. Verse 6 says this, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be known to God. So there it is. I love the way the New Living Translation, she's got it up here. I love the way it says it. It says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Now, how simple is that? How good is that? It's just don't worry. Pray. Don't worry about the things. Pray about the things. Like that's, it's that, that simple. So here it is. Here's the, the point under strategy is a peace-filled life is only available to a prayerful heart. You can't have a peace-filled life unless you have a prayerful heart. In everything, the Bible says, in everything by prayer and supplication. And here's another thing, with thanksgiving. Don't leave out that ingredient that Paul Paul put in there on purpose is with thanksgiving. We got to be thankful, y'all. Don't get so caught up in the things that you don't have that you forget to be thankful for the things you do have. Amen? you got to be thankful for what the Lord has given you. I mean, prayer without thanksgiving does not make sense. We've got to be, thanks, thanksgiving has to come with every prayer. It's, it's kind of like, it's kind of like a Whataburger without a honey butter chicken biscuit sandwich. You know what I mean? Like, that just does not make sense. Like, it has to be there. Like, it's it just weird to have that on the, not have that on the menu. It's got to be there. And so, but I wonder this, if our worry in our lives stems from a lack of worship, right? I, I wonder if there's so much that seems to be taking over our lives because we're so easily entangled by the things that we can't control instead of praying to the one who has all control, right? Y'all don't be too distracted. I've asked them to come up. They're going to sing a song at the end. So um, I, I'm not talking about living in denial and pretending everything is awesome, Lego movie, everything is awesome. I'm saying let's think through some of the things that God has done because I've learned that an attitude of gratitude has a healing effect on the heart, right? You got to have an attitude of gratitude because if you're not grateful for the things that have already been done, then you won't be grateful for the next thing that he does. You got to be grateful for what you currently have so that he, there's room for the things to come. So, so maybe you're here and you're wondering, 
why is worry such a big deal? Like, what's the big deal about worry, Jordan? So I get caught up in politics and worry about it a little bit. What's the big deal? So this coronavirus has affected me. I lost my job because of it, and I'm worried. Is that such a big deal? Is it a big deal that I worry? And, and, and I want to tell you that it is. It is, and here's why. Because worry, here's the problem. Worry communicates to God and those around you that you don't trust him for the details. It communicates that you don't trust him. It, it says this without saying it. It says, hey, God, thanks for all the really awesome things you did, the stars in the sky, the, the, the sun, the moon, the, the way the earth rotates, the, all the stuff that we have. Thanks for creating me. Thanks for all that. But, hey, I got it from here. I'll, I'll take it from here. Because, see, like, you did all that, but, 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 I, but I've got it. And, and the problem with that is we are really bad at being God. We're just not good at being God. And the Bible says this. It says, cast your cares on him because why? Because he cares for you. If he cares so much to create the sun, moon, and stars, he also cares for you. And if he cares for you, then you've got to cast your cares on him. Martin Luther said this, pray and let God worry. Hey, I wonder tonight if you just, you just say, hey, God, I'm going to let you stay up tonight. I'm not going to worry. I'm going to let you stay up. If you want to watch over me tonight, I'm going to let you. I'm going to bed. He wants to do that for you because he loves his children. And so maybe you walked in here today, you're stressed out, life's falling apart, and, and you never thought you'd be in the middle of a pandemic. You never thought you'd be in the middle of 2020 because it's kicking your tail. And it's tough. And I mean it's tough. And I know you're struggling through it. But if you'll allow me, I, I want to inject some praise on your pity party because you may have walked in here a worrier and maybe you're just worry, worry, worry. I hope that you'd leave here a warrior. So would you stand to your feet and 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 the singers are going to sing in a minute and they're going to play some music. The band's going to do some things, but I want to read some scripture to you. And I wonder if you'd just hear this and this declaration over your life because the Bible I read says that God demonstrated his own love towards us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The Bible says that there is therefore now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. It says that if we are faithless, he remains faithful. God said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. The same spirit who raised Christ from the dead, Romans 8 and 11 says this, is alive inside of you. Jesus said, in this world you will have troubles, but be of good courage because I have overcome the world. It says, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Who shall separate us from the love of God? Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, the sword. It says, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Because I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, 
nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God. It says, he who is in me is greater than he who is in the world. He who is in me is greater. And the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet. And then we will sing, O death, where is your sting? O grave, where is your victory? But thanks be to our God who gives us the victory over death through our Lord Jesus Christ. Come on, church. We're victorious warriors. Come on. Come on. I wonder if you'd just throw your hands up real quick. Just throw your hands up. They're getting ready to sing. God, thank you so much that you have called us to be victorious warriors. Come on. We're not warriors anymore because we know that the truth is that we're victorious in you. And God, you did it already. You've already won the battle. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, clap your hands to him right now. They're going to sing.